This podcast is brought to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Christian Family Church of Lubbock, Texas. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com. Good morning. Good morning. Good to see you here today. I bless all of you. I believe every one of you are here for divine appointment today from God, but uh, just here today, I believe some of you are here to get born again. I really believe that with all my heart, and so we'll get into that here in a little bit. If you need a Bible, why don't you raise your hand up really, really high and give you that, that opportunity this morning. Once you get a Bible, go with me to the book of James chapter 1. Again, we're in this wilderness series. i got a lot going on on the inside of me right now. That's why I'm a little hesitant, just trying to get, get the heart of God for this. But, you know, uh, my, my job is to feed the sheep. My job is to teach you the Word of God, not to compromise it, not to water it down, not to preach tolerance but to give you the word of God because only the truth will set you free. And so today you're going to get some sheep food. So that's why you need a Bible so you can see what you're eating. Okay. Go to James 1 like I said. And so we're on this wilderness series. And the the longer I go in this thing called life, the more I realize there's a lot of stuff that happens with life, in life. I mean, figure there's a lot of stuff. You got a lot of stuff going on right now? And I believe that's every one of us. And so sometimes when stuff starts coming at us and it seems like it comes at us in waves, we may have the thought, Father God, where are you at? Do do you not see what's going on? And then sometimes we have the thought, "I, I didn't know as a Christian that this stuff would happen. Well, the Lord Jesus said in John 16, verse 33, he said, in the world you will have tribulations. You will have troubles, but be of good cheer. I've overcome. And so again, I want to highlight some things today that we're going to go through some things. And part of this can be wilderness experiences. So to start, we go to the book of James chapter one, verse 12. Blessed. The definition of the word blessed is happy, fortunate, and to be envied. So I see the word blessed How does this blessing happen right here? Blessed is the man who endures temptation. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Blessed is the man who endures temptation. And so when you see this, the Amplified says, the man who is patient under trial and stands up under temptation. The New American Standard says he perseveres under trial. Blessed is the man who endures trials. Not blessed is the man who experiences trials. Blessed is the man who actually endures them or goes through them. Hmm. For when he has been approved... He will receive the crown of life the Lord has promised to those who love him. And so literally Satan here, those who who go through trials, but those trials don't cause them to recant their faith in Jesus or turn from him. And so in this thing called life, there's going to be trials. There's going to be difficulties. And what happens with these trials is they either can make you or break you. Same chapter. Begin with me in verse 2. My brethren, fellow believers, 
ones that are born again, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. And when I read that, I think, you got to be kidding me. Count it all joy when I fall into various trials. Now look real close at the word trials. It's plural. Some translations will say troubles. Every translation I read, whether it's trials or troubles, it's, it's past tense. In other words, it's not going to be a once and it's done deal. It's going to be throughout your life. I'm, I'm going to have to face these things called troubles and trials. But it's interesting. He says, count it all joy. Uh, an, an opportunity for great joy. And, and he's saying here, with the trouble, it makes it pro- uh, possible to actually profit from them. Now, I don't need to show hands, but just think of this right now. What are the trials or troubles you're going through right now? Do I count it great joy? I'm going to stand here before you and I'm going to be totally truthful in my own life. I wish I could say every time I've faced a trial, I've counted it joy. I haven't. But something happens when I begin to look at what the Word of God says. Count it all joy. Keep reading. Knowing that the testing, and that word testing there, literally means it proves genuineness. The testing of your faith, a a discipline to purge your faith. So there's something that's happening through these trials that's going to test my faith. And so he says, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience, a positive steadfastness, an endurance that I don't give up. How many in here need some patience? Every one of us. Verse 4, but let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect, fully developed and mature is what that means, and that you may be complete, fullness and wholeness. So guess what? In these trials that we're going to go through, and if I count it all joy, I can profit through those, and God wants to get me where I'm perfect and I'm complete. I'm fully matured. But whatever you do, don't bail out on this process early, prematurely. Man, if if there's some type of work that God's wanting to create within every one of us, I got to stay on that. And so when I look at this right here, the proper attitude for every one of us when we face adversities Count it all joy. The reason I believe we can count it all joy because when I begin to look to Father God, God's got it. God's got my back, okay? Go with me to 1 Samuel chapter 30. 1 Samuel 30, and this passage here, it'll, it'll tip you off where we're going this morning. Now, I know all of you hadn't been here, but uh, one of our main scriptures texts has, has been 1 Samuel chapter 30. To paraphrase it briefly, King David, he's with his, his mighty warriors and they're out fighting and they come back home to a place called Ziklag. And if you don't understand or haven't ever read the story, they come over a hill and they look and the city of Ziklag's on fire. And as they get down to the city, 
Everything they have, everything they own is gone. Their wives, their children, every possession. And so they cry until they can't cry no more. And ultimately what happens is these 600 men that King David had been so, so good to, they turn their back on him and actually they want to kill him. Now, in my opinion, when I read this story, I look and I think, why would they blame him? He wasn't the problem. Let me ask you up that right now. How many of you are right now in a situation where you're getting blamed for something you didn't even do? And so even in that situation, what do I do when that happens? So we pick up 1 Samuel 30, verse 6. Now David was greatly distressed for the people spoke of stoning him. Because the soul of all the people was grieved, every man for his sons and daughters. But David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. Now, a couple weeks ago, we were there. This is where we ended. And so I believe what happens here is his mighty men are these misfits. They had ceased from desiring to kill him. And it says, David inquired of the Lord. Verse 7. Then David said to Abathar, the priest, Ahimelech's son, please bring the ephod here to me. Now, to understand the ephod, it, it was a vest that they would put over and it would cover their chest or their heart. And so when David asked Abithar to bring the ephod to him, this was literally the only object related to the, the temple that he had. And it goes on to say, please bring the ephod here to me. And Abithar brought the ephod to David. You know what I believe this is symbolic of? In the worst time in his life, he said, I got to get in the presence of the Lord. I got to have God today. I, I, I don't, I don't want to do anything without God. And you know, as they sang that song, I'm surrounded. I'm surrounded by my enemies. And I believe in David's life, that's how it was. His, his mighty men, they had turned on him. The people, the Amalekites who had taken his family, they're here. But he said, I'm going to turn to God. I'm going to look to God. And, and here's a little thought for you that when they came back to Ziklag and everything that had been taken from him, his wife, his kids, and all his possessions are gone. But yet, he still had the ephod with him. You know what that showed me? Throughout King David's life, it didn't matter where he was going, his most valuable possession was the presence of God. He took that with him everywhere he went. And he's just like, Father God, if I don't have you, I'm not going anywhere. I'm not doing anything. Now watch verse 8. So David inquired of the Lord. Period. Stop. That's as far as we're going with this today. David inquired of the Lord. Now I, I want to put you and me in this story real briefly. Why would he inquire of the Lord? If someone's taken my wife and my kids and my possessions, common sense says we're going after him. We're going to track him. I don't care who. We're going after him. But yet King David said, I'm not doing anything until I inquire of the Lord. And so in our lives, my life and your life, 
when I don't inquire of the Lord, when I don't take time to hear what God's got to say, I do it in my own abilities, my own power, my own strength, my own common sense. Now, if you run track, you understand that if you fault start, you're disqualified. Well, to a degree, when we think we can do everything out of our own abilities, even when it looks like common sense, you're disqualified. You jumped the gun. You got ahead of God. So David says, I'm not doing anything till I hear from God. Turn with me to the book of Isaiah chapter 30. Isaiah chapter 30. Now as you're turning there, I'm going to give you little, little thoughts in my own life. There are times in my life I've said to God, God, you're going too slow. Pick up the pace. And oftentimes when, when we think God isn't operating by my clock, we start playing God. But I don't spell my name big G-O-D. And so if I really truly believe and obey God, then I gotta stay put until I hear from God. I stand on God's word. Now, this, this verse here will begin to tell you where we're going this morning. Isaiah chapter 30, verse 18. Therefore, the Lord will wait. God's not finished. That he may be gracious to you. That he looks to be gracious to you. That he longs to be gracious to you. You may, you may want to mark that in your Bible right now. In my Bible, it's highlighted. You know what it's highlighted? Because sometimes in our life, we have the thought, God doesn't want to be gracious to me. God, God, God would be gracious to, to Dylan, and, and God would be gracious to Joel, and God may be gracious to them, but God wouldn't want to be gracious to me. Well, why not? God loves me. He loves you. And so he says here, he wants to be gracious to me, and therefore he will be exalted that he may have mercy on you. Well, God wouldn't want to show mercy to me. Well, why wouldn't he? You know what mercy is? Mercy is I don't get what I deserve, so we ought to be happy about the thing called mercy. Thank God I don't get what I deserve. Woo, if I got what I deserved, you would be visiting me in my casket right now. I welcome his graciousness and his mercy. Some of you need to put a tattoo on you right now. That verse is right there. God wants to be gracious to me and God wants to mercy me. Woohoo, what a promise. Now keep reading. For the Lord is a God of justice. He's faithful. He sees everything. Blessed are all those who wait for him. Blessed are all those who wait for him. Now let me read you this in the Amplified. Those who wait for him, they expect, they look, and they long for him. His victory, his favor, his love, his peace, his joy, his matchless, unbroken companionship. Well, God wouldn't want to do that for me. Why not? And so I go back and I look what he said here. Blessed, 
blessed, blessed is who? The one who waits for him. Do I learn to wait on God even when life doesn't make sense? And what happens is when we don't wait for God, and one of the titles I give for waiting for God is I wait for the nod of God. I don't move until God gives me his nod and says, go. But the result of me going ahead in front of God is a thing called anxiety. I fret. I become nervous. I worry. Do any of those adjectives describe you today? But pastor, I can't wait. I don't have time to wait. Well, I realize we live in an ATM society. We live in an Indy 500 society. But if I don't get a hold of this verse, he said, blessed are those who wait upon him. Now, I don't know if you're smart enough to read into this, but if I don't wait on him, I'm not blessed. Turn with me a couple pages to Isaiah chapter 40. Isaiah chapter 40, and as you're turning there, I've got to meet the condition. I've got to wait. And anytime I don't wait for the nod of God, I jump the gun. I'm out there on my own. Hurry up, God. Hurry up, God. And I've seen, I've seen the hand of God move in this area when I wait on him to move. And it, it can be in a simple area as even buying a home. Years ago, we were in a position to buy a home. We, we had the money to buy a home. We started going to homes and we were looking. And we found this house that we really liked. And I mean, we went to it over and over. We'd go in there and look. We would dream. We'd say, whoa, this is it. This is it. But every time I would go, I would get this in the Lord, not the nod of God. It was a yuck. Don't do it. Don't do it. And it almost freaked me out. Don't do it. Don't get ahead of me. And so the lady that was our realtor, she went to church with us. So we went back to look at it another time. And I walk in there and she's got a a sheet out that says, let's make an offer on it today. And when she says that, this guy says, Father God, I don't want to be the party pooper. I don't want to be the one, the barrier of bad news. And I looked at her and I said, I'm just going to tell you right now. I'm not buying this house. And her and Shelly both looked at me and I said, I just can't get ahead of God. I can't get that peace from God. I'm not doing it until I get the peace of God. Six months later, that house was built on a real tall foundation. That foundation began to, to, to sag. And within the foundation, there were literally uh, splits in the floor, three, four, five inches And you know what happened? Because of the goodness of God, it made this guy look like a genius. Solo Dios sabe. For all you gringos, that means only God knows. (laughs) I love to do that. Oh, he's so proud of him. Okay, back to the scriptures. Isaiah 40, verse 27. Why do you say, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel? Why do you complain? Why do you whine? Now, stop. 
Does that describe me? Do I complain? Do I whine? It's not fair, God. It's not good. Hurry up. My way is hidden from the Lord. In other words, God doesn't see what I'm doing. God's ignoring me. God's lost track of me. God doesn't care. That's not true. And my just claim is passed over by my God. Have you not known? Have you not heard? Do you not understand? Do you not listen? Now watch these covenant names of God. The everlasting God. Oh man, my God is an everlasting God. He's the, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth. He neither faints nor is weary. God lasts. His understanding is unsearchable. It's beyond measure. He gives power to the weak. He strengthens the weak. He energizes the strength. And to those who have no might, he increases strength. Even the youth shall faint and be weary. And the young men shall utterly fall. But those who wait on the Lord. i got to stop just a second. You've got to get a hold of those six words. Those who wait on the Lord shall, shall, not maybe so, not hope so, they shall. Now watch the four blessings that hinges on the condition of waiting on the Lord. They shall renew their strength. Woo, he begins to give us incredible strength. And when it says here, they shall renew their strength. The message is, he energizes us. And when God energizes and gives you strength, God's not telling you, get a, get a Red Bull, get five-hour energy. That's not God. God comes on the inside of you. On the inside. He renews their strength. They shall mount up with wings of eagles. You know what this literally means? They will rise above life's difficulties. They shall run and not be weary. They won't get tired. And they shall walk and not faint. They won't lag behind. Again, I want you to understand what he just said here. It all hinges on those who wait upon the Lord. If I don't wait upon the Lord, every bit of that is marked out, okay? So could this be some of the reason I face what I face? Could this be a, a reason where, Lord, I don't, I don't, sense, I don't sense your strength. It seems like life's difficulties are caving in on me. Could it be because in the wilderness of my life right now, God is wanting to teach me, wait on the Lord. Well, how long do I got to wait until God tells me to go? How long do I got to wait? Well, God doesn't operate by this clock. God operates because a clock called eternity. And if I really trust God, I understand this. God knows. God knows. So two things happen for me not to walk in the blessings that I just read, those four blessings. 
I didn't meet the condition or I didn't understand the faith that goes with this when I say, Father God, as I'm waiting on the Lord, I'm not just waiting. I'm just waiting with an expectation. My God's going to move. My God's going to move. My God is moving. My God's got my back. My God's going to take care of me. And see, so many times in our life, we jumped the gun. Go with me to Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4. Ooh, the goodness of God. You know, years ago, years ago, years ago, me and Shelly had gotten out of Bible school. We were on go. We were ready to change the world. But the doors to to speak the word of God, they just didn't open overnight. And there were days I'd say, Father God, do you not see? Father God, I'm ready to go. I'm ready to go. I'm ready to go. You know what I realized? I wasn't ready to go. I had a gift that God had given me, but the gift hadn't been matured. And if I would have been put in a position that I desired to be in, I would have hurt a lot of people because I had talent, but I didn't have any character. That's a word for some of you young ones. You have this thought, I'm ready to go now, 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 now. I'm going to tell you right now, I believe it's one of the worst mistakes we've done in the body of Christ. We've put people in positions that are up here when their character was down here. And so there's got to be a a, a progression of waiting on the Lord, allowing God to to mold me, to perfect me, to complete me. And there's times God will say this, get back in the oven. Get back in the oven. I don't like back. Yeah, you do. Get back in the oven. How do we make cookies, mama? Shut up and get back in the oven. Just kidding about that, all right? See, again, I believe this is what the Lord's wanting to do. He's wanting to mold us and shape us. So, man, I'm 30 comes around, and I'm still not in the ministry like I feel like I should. And over and over, I'd say, God is almost like he's pulling the reins. And when I got to be in my mid-30s, I, I got really content. You know what really content is? I just said, ah, Father God, I'm a child of yours. And if, if I'm going to be, be the champion server in this church for the rest of my life, I'm good with it. I'm, I'm going to be the best usher. I'm going to be the best Sunday school teacher. I'm, I'm going to be the best lawnmower. Did you mow the lawn? I did. I'd mow the lawn. I, I'm going to be the best bus driver they had. Me and Shelly would drive the church bus. Now, I don't know if you want your kids under me when I'm driving a bus. Because it'd be better than going to the fair. But they put me in that job. They gave me a title. You're the bus driver. Okay, I'm the bus driver. But I got real content. Just loving Jesus. I just love you, Jesus. I just want to serve you. And all of a sudden, whoo, the doors came up and the doors came up. Wait upon the Lord. Wait upon the Lord. Philippians 4, verse 6. Be anxious for nothing. Do not fret or have anxiety about anything. Let me ask you something right now. Does that word describe you? And it's okay to admit it. That describes him. I'm full of anxiety. And you may come in here and look cool, calm, and collected on the outside. But the inside, it's like there's grasshoppers jumping everywhere inside you. Are you full of anxiety right now? Keep reading. 
Be anxious for nothing. But in everything. If you got a marker and you like to mark your Bible up, circle the word in. But in everything. It doesn't say but for everything. It says but in everything. So once again, as long as I'm in this place called life, there's going to be stuff and I'm going to be in it as long as I'm here. But he said, be anxious for nothing, but in everything, with prayer and supplication. And let me highlight those two. Prayer, you got to be specific. You got to talk to God. And supplication, that's another level of intensity. That's an intensity of prayer that says, Father God, I'm grabbing on to you. I'm hanging on to you. So let me ask you, in your anxiety, have you prayed about it? Have you petitioned God about it? And then he said, with prayer and thanksgiving, make your request be made unto known. With thanksgiving. You know what thanksgiving is? Woo, I thank you, Father God. I prayed about it, and my God, hear my prayer. I know my prayers don't fall on deaf ears. My God's ears are open to the cries of the saints. So you know what I'm saying? The reason it's with thanksgiving, because... God's got it. God's got it. The angels in heaven, their robes don't have holes in them. God's not freaking out. The electric bill hadn't been paid this month. Here's your good one. Sparrows never grow hungry, so I know he can feed me. How many on your way to work to, or to church today looked up on the high line and saw a sparrow and he's freaking out? I don't know if that's the way a sparrow looks, but yeah. Well, I'm a swan, I'm close. But with prayer and thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. Let your request be the everlasting God. Woo, the God who doesn't quit. And the peace of God, and what I want you to see with peace, the reason the peace of God comes is because prayer and peace are, are closely related. And when you begin to pray and you trust God, it's like, I got a peace on this inside me. God's got this. Years ago, and I'm not going to go in the, re, the, the details on why this happened to me, but I came into work one day and they told me, we're going to give you three full weeks off. Without pay. Oh, happy day. That's, that's craptacular. That's the best news I've heard all week. That's in the Greek, okay? I'm thinking, oh, dear Jesus, how do you go home and tell your wife, I, I don't have a job for three weeks. I got kids that like to eat. I got bills that got to be paid. I'm telling you, there became a peace that came upon me, the peace of God, which surpasses my understanding, which transcends my understanding. And I begin to say, Father God, I need help. I need help. I need help. I need your help today, Lord. Here's the truth of that. After the three weeks was over, I had made more money than I would have if I had been at my regular job. And I don't say that because I say, man, God's incredible. God's incredible. And the peace of God, which surpasses my understanding, will guard my heart in Christ Jesus. And so when I look at all this right here, don't take matters in your own hands. Quit trying to be God. 
Quit trying to be Holy Spirit Junior. Remember this. You're the clay and he's the potter. He's got us. And something happens in the wilderness when I go to this place. And here's what I want you to understand. I got to learn to wait on the Lord. Slow, slow me down, Lord. Slow me down. I want, I want to hear you. I want to take time to be with you. And so this morning, there may be some of you in here that you've jumped the gun. You know, you know that in your heart right now. You've jumped the gun. God will forgive you. You've jumped the gun in forms of a job. You've tried to make things happen. You've jumped the gun on, on, on a, a, a purchase. Maybe a homework. Are you, listen, wait on the Lord. Wait on the Lord. Here's one. and Listen real close to my heart right here. When I study for a message and I prepare for a message, I just don't prepare for a message. I prepare the messenger for a message. And one of the things the Lord said, tell him, don't jump the gun on a boyfriend. Don't jump the gun on a husband or a wife. You better wait on the Lord in those areas. Well, Pastor, I know once I marry him, he'll start coming to church. Not. Let me help you. Not. Don't fool yourself. And so Proverbs chapter 3, verse, verse 6 says, In all your ways acknowledge him, and he'll direct your path. Oh, Father God, I acknowledge you in all my directions. All my, I need you, Father God. I welcome you. And Lord, I'm not going to move until I hear from you. i got to have a word from the Lord. That's in a couple weeks. That's the next ones. Would you stand on your feet here with me? Thank you for listening today. For more information, please visit faithchurchlebeck.com.